So this is a suitor from the Angutra Nikai. We've done this before, this one. Oh, I'll just do it again. Mm. Because I will teach you a Dhamma exposition on union and disengagement. I'll just go with the, the man's description. A man, bhikkhus, attends internally to his masculine faculty, his masculine comportment, his masculine appearance, his masculine aspect, his masculine desire, his masculine voice, his masculine ornamentation. Mm. He becomes excited by these and takes delight in them. Excited by them and taking delight in them, he attends externally to a woman's feminine faculty. To the counterpart. And so he becomes excited by these and takes delight in them. Excited by them, taking delight in them, he desires union externally. Mm. And he also desires the pleasure and joy that arise on account of such union. Beings who are delighted with their masculinity enter upon union with women. It is in this way that a man, um, that a man does not transcend his masculinity. Mm. This is how union comes about. Mm. And how does disengagement come about? Well, let's talk about the union. <clears throat> well, the first thing you will notice there is, so it's not about denying masculinity or femininity. By the way, the same thing applies to the feminine. The same, we would have said the same thing. For a woman who attends to her femininity, she gets attracted to the counterpart externally, or whatever it might represent to the counterpart. Uh, but the point is, it's not about denying the nature of the body you are paired with. So it's not about denying the masculinity or denying the femininity. It's about um, carelessly becoming dependent upon the pleasures of the masculine body or the pleasures of the feminine body, which then results in seeking the external counterpart. So the whole point is to uh, become developed in regard to your own body, as the other suttas would say. Not about, oh, there is you know, there is no gender, there is, this masculinity is just an illusion. Yeah, in a sense, there is no gender in a sense that it's yours, that it can be owned by you. But factually, the body is so. It is such. With such hormones, with such predispositions, with such height and, and, and shape and so on. And that's not the problem. The problem is that there is a basis of pleasure that can arise on account of the body and your mind is not developed in regard to that. So when the prospect of pleasure makes itself apparent, you are accepting the body, you're accepting the ownership, you are carelessly uh, identifying and taking up the ownership of whatever you're paired with, in this case with the masculine aspects, and then as a result of it, you seek the pleasure even further outside, which is you know, the counterpart for it. And as a result of that, you seek the union and become dependent on the pleasure of the union and everything else, you know, the burdens that come with it. All of that you take on just because you were not developed in regard to that initial pleasure that you are paired with, prospect of pleasure that you are paired with, your body. So it's not about denying the masculine or denying the feminine or even denying the, 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 the attraction that you might have developed on account of the body before it's about overcoming the pressure of it that can be done on a, first by not acting out of it and then by truly understanding the nature of it the unownability of it and and uh, 
disengaging yourself with the union, with that pleasure. Um, so for that, your mind needs to have developed out of that pressure towards pleasure that's felt physically, that central itch and so on. That masculine aspect that is pleasurable. Well, yes, yeah, like the masculine, the body, whether masculine or feminine, whatever it is, yeah. is it is a basis of a certain type of physical pleasure. That it's for a masculine, for a man, it's on a basis of his masculinity, for a, for a woman, it's on a basis of her femininity. Either way, that provides the basis for that craving for physical pleasure. So that, why is that pleasure not enough? So that... Which pleasure? That, the physical? Yeah. That I... That, so it's, it's a prospect, so it's not really a pleasure, it's the prospect. Prospect of, of pleasure, yeah. Why is it not enough? What do you think? Why would not be enough? Say the prospect of pleasure, why is that not enough? It's a good question. Why is that not enough in itself? Because mm. it's, uh, it's not in my control. It's, sort of, it's not mine. No, no. Why, why, uh, why is it why not is enough, it? though? Why, by default, mind that's not developed, why would that mind seek the external counterpart? Why wouldn't the pleasure of masculinity or femininity be enough in itself? Why would you spill outside and seek the union with the external? Why? Why is that? It's because of a view. It's because of the assumption of where, central, where the pleasure of sensual kind is. It's because of the assumption that it's in the external sense objects, not on the level of your body. In the same sense that people assume that they are accessing, seeing, perceiving, owning the external objects and not their senses seeing, perceiving and owning. So in other words, your senses, your masculinity, your body or femininity is invisible to you because you've been carelessly cultivating actions towards that pleasure out there which is also factual, but it's actually secondary to the pleasure of the body. Its sense objects are secondary to the existence of the patiga of your senses. And uh, the only reason you don't see that is because you keep assuming, you keep holding the view that that's first and this is second. This gets attracted to that because of that. And thus, whatever's here is seen as second. And it, that's why it's seen as insufficient. That's why you're not developed in regard to the body. What's because it? you assume the wrong order and the wrong order prevents the development. But if you say, well, it doesn't matter how far out I reach and seek, the experience of pleasure is bound within the framework of these senses. So the only way I can know the external world, it's on account of these senses knowing the external world, which means for me, the assumption that I had of the external world, it's pretty much actually inconceivable. If you start thinking about it clearly, you realize, oh, there was a complete misconception. All you're assuming is the internal of your senses, and that's all you can have. But you will not even be able to, <clears throat> to reach like the, even the basic level of this clarity if you are still acting on account of the assumption of external coming first. And your body, your desire, the pressure second, it's just a response to the impulse. So for as long as you keep that picture perverted, 
there is no development, there is no uprooting of sensuality, there is no abandonment of masculinity or femininity. And that's the, what, uh, what uh, Venerable Ananda said, I think, to the uh, Vangisa, is it Vangisa the poet? Who said, oh, please help me, my mind is infected with passion, I can't see the way out. And he said it's due to the perversion of perception, that you still remain attracted to it. Perversion of the order, literally. It's due to putting that which is second is first. So, what is first? What is first is the framework of your senses. There is no outside of it. You're fully enclosed within. You start recognizing that, you're going to start feeling deep anxiety because you realize you're utterly, utterly enclosed, trapped within yourself. And any notion of the external world, any notion of the external pleasure, is not, it's not like, oh, it's not real. It's real, but it's also enclosed with you. It's within so that's that like, oh, buried alive in a sense, what we spoke before. And that's why people, there are underlying tendencies that just push you in the direction of sensuality. Because if you resist it, you're left with deep fear and pain and, and, and terror. <laughs> because your assumption is of the external world and suddenly you see, doesn't matter the extent of the universe you travel, as the Buddha would say, it's within this body. And when you actually take that in a realistic sense, it's quite frightening for a mind that's not developed. For a mind that's still dependent on the pleasures of the external kind. You can't reach beyond your senses. You can't step. It's inconceivable. Your thoughts cannot even fathom the outside of it. The only way to do so is to misconceive it. And through that misconception, that misconception exists as such. So that's what Buddha meant. The form finds the footing in the existence through your misconceiving. So it exists as external, although it can't, by not knowing that, that's how it exists for you. And that's the, the, the fundamental perversion of the order. Sensuality is that, bhava is that, and so on. So seeing that your senses come first, and you can only see that if you have not been acting out of them, out of the pressure, if you've been withdrawing from that pressuring addiction of scratching the itch with the external means and then you start seeing oh this is there is no outside of this so even your thoughts of outside it's not that you stop having them you just see them correctly as within this so the clearer that becomes the 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 the, the lesser so to speak the lesser amount of perversion you are living on your day-to-day -day basis to the point where the perversion would have been completely sort of eradicated. You cannot, uh, doesn't matter what you see, smell, hear, taste, touch, or think, your mind cannot fall back into the assumption of the wrong order because the right order has been understood thoroughly, sufficiently enough that the perversion cannot take place. That's when you know your mind is free from karma bhava, mind is free from central, central craving and central being. Because the, the, ple the pleasure of the external kind was not the sensuality. It was the perversion of the order that the sensuality was there. And that's exactly what it that's what it describes. Through not being developed in that which is first, which for a man is the masculine framework of the body and the senses, for a woman it's the feminine framework of the body of the senses. You start spilling outside, assuming outside, becoming even more dependent on the outside. By not being developed means by not not seeing it clearly, not having practiced sensory strength sufficiently enough, not having developed your mind in regard to the uh, the, the the pressure, 
not having endured it patiently long enough, having been acting out of it, having been keeping the precepts as a means of external duty, not as a means of direct development of your mind by not acting out of the pressure of the current sense, all of that means not developed in regard to your own masculinity or femininity. Another thought ahead means taking up the ownership <laughs> of that, that pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Means not being able to see it as as impersonal as a Nietzsche. So he he gives in delights in his masculine pressure, the masculine pressure. He, or you could just say he takes his masculine his pressure of masculinity. He takes it for granted. By default, his mind is already outside, attracted to those things, even if he's avoiding them. Yeah. Because of taking the pressure for granted as mine, as belonging to me, uh, not having a mind developed in regard to that pressure means pressure will overwhelm the mind, mind will not overwhelm the pressure. So by default, that will put you outside. But if you have sustained sufficiently enough, not acting out of that pressure... And with discerning it. With discerning it, guarding of the sense doors, not just, oh, I just keep the precepts because it's my duty, but you recognize that, ah, intentionally choosing to abstain from thinking about things that would be taking up the pressure, intentionally sort of keeping an eye on your actions, on your decisions, on your choices, on the responsibility behind, they will make you not spill out towards the external world. You are becoming aware, basically, of... Uh, what is it that you've been doing they've been perpetuating your dependence on the pressure and the external world which is taking the pressure for granted as yours so you start allowing it to be not trying to get rid of it so that you can endure it correctly not act out of it correctly guard your sense doors in regard to it correctly means you're taking up responsibility for it and you're not taking it up for granted anymore means you will be able to eventually see it as not yours. Not like, oh, now I need to see it as not mine. By not acting out of it, by guarding your senses in regard to it, by taking responsibility for it, by allowing it to endure, not trying to get rid of it. All of these are ways of practicing of not mine. And when that's sufficiently cultivated, then that whole perverted order that dependent on account of taking up the pressure as mine would have fade, faded or would have diminished sufficiently for you to see that it has diminished so there's that uh, there's an idea which is I have lust for a woman so now I must contemplate mm. the disgusting nature of a woman's body no. see that's now the problem with that is you took it as a as a duty as a sense of an external duty when lust is present I must do this no when lust is present, you must first acknowledge it. Active, active. Uh... Yeah, lust is present in your mind. You need to recognize the mind of lust as mind of lust. Not like mind of lust, I do this. Mind of non-lust, I do that. Either way, I will try to not be aware of myself because it's too unpleasant. The mind of lust is there. That needs to be endured. So the mind of lust is there. I must not act out of it. And if you are jumping into practice of a suba immediately means you're acting out of it. You're not allowing it to be for what it is, the phenomenon of lust, the mind affected with lust. You're trying to get rid of it. And which is exactly the, the motion of sensuality. Lust is present. You jump into the sensuality to get rid of that painful itch. So now you learn that's bad. 
So what do I do? Lust is present, you jump into acting out to get rid of that painful itch. So that's the, the, the two extremes that people end up going towards by not understanding the middle way. You either scratch the itch or try to deny the itch. So people's practice of asuba often falls on the level of just trying to deny the itch. And that's not the asuba. That's not uprooting of the lust, that's just managing, managing of it. And not even that well because it again it's going to come back and the asuba will lose effectiveness the more you do it rooted in wrong wrong reasons so the mind of lust is present the first thing you know is like okay i should not act out of this but i should do a suba well i should do a suba when the mind of lust is not present because otherwise i'm doing a suba rooted in lust i'm trying to deny the lust why would i try to deny the lust because i don't want to endure it oh well, there you go. The first step of patient endurance is what you don't even want to do. So all the subsequent steps you might be doing are on the basis of your syllabata paramas, of avoiding responsibility for the first step of enduring it, not trying to get rid of it. And again, you... So you have the underlying, there's the underlying tendency towards lust. Where, mm. So lust is not exactly active now, mm. in that active sense. So, but I can still see that I am liable to lust. So now I can do that, a super. Exactly. So there's no mind of lust actively present. But am I free from lust? Well, you know. Mm. Okay. So Just now that. I should contemplate and try to basically redefine the framework of attractive by seeing it as unattractive. So create a broader context of unattractive because it is there. It's just you haven't been looking at those aspects. But you can only do that rightly when the mind is properly established. So when you're not rooted in trying to get rid of the lazy avoidance of endurance. Yeah. And you properly established means being able to patiently endure. Being able to patiently endure, have not acted out of it. Now you are not gripped by lust. Okay, let me now contemplate. Contemplate the suba, contemplate the unattractive, contemplate the danger, all these things. Then when the last comes back, you wouldn't need to, oh, what do I do now? Because if you sufficiently contemplated the nature of that which is lustful, it's going to be there implicit in that lust. So that which was lustful comes now with an even richer background of unattractive, because that's what you've been cultivating. So that's what I mean, like rewriting the significance of things. Mm -hmm. So through that sig significance of lust, now there is the also further significance of danger, unattractive, not worthy, to be avoided, to be, to be not acted out of. And the clearer that broader context becomes, the, uh, the more impossible would it be for you to put that superficial aspect of lust first and ignore all the context as second. In other words, your mind is becoming more and more imperturbable in regard to the lust because the context is becoming established and it's not moving doesn't matter how forceful how quick how 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 um, sharp that the, the the lust might be the context remains first that's like mine has settled in the right order and it cannot tip over anymore and, uh, and just to that specific contemplation where the person might say well I contemplate the disgusting nature of another person's body, mm. but it's it's better to 
look at this. I mean, it's okay, you can yeah. think that, but... Well, first, as I said, if you're doing it on the basis of mind that's not effective with last at a time, it's, you can do it internally, externally, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. You can do it externally, you, you go to other bodies, yeah. your body will be included with that. Right. If you're doing it internally, other bodies will be included in that. If it's not done on the basis of lust and trying to avoid the endurance of the mind affected with lust or any unwholesome hindrance. So it says, how does one dis uh, practice disengagement? Basically, you don't delight in note in your masculine aspect. Don't masculine take it for granted. Practice. And then there is no The pressure, the possibilities that, that your masculine form is offering you, possibilities of pleasure, yeah. you, 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 you need to practice um, non-zeal, <laughs> non-interest towards those. Don't take them up for granted, but actually start contemplating and regarding them as perilous. So that's basically using your body for the sake of gaining the external pleasures. So which you can never gain. Which you can never gain because it's already a perverted order. But if you don't understand that, then you would be established based upon, uh, pretty much dependent upon the form that you have, which you know, is masculine or feminine. And by that means you, 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 took, you took it for granted, you took the ownership of it. And that's, you know, the, the beautification, the, 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 the anxiety that you get in regard to the form, if you get sick, the senses failing, all of that is, is on that level. That means, oh, you already took it for granted. So what you need to do is, you, you can't just, oh, I will now untake it. <laughs> I'll just let go of it. It's not a matter of direct choice, but what you can do is first stop acting out of the form being taken for granted so stop act, acting out of towards external pleasures start practicing sense restraint endure your senses Feel endure the pressure exactly endure their own fatigue with and, and try to see it as impersonal as possible um, and then if you become more accustomed which is what samadhi is <laughs> stop stop resisting basically being unmoved because you're becoming more accustomed because you endured it sufficiently enough so if you become more accustomed to the interior of your senses which is what you the only thing you ever had there is no exterior to your own experience because there will be a contradiction in terms mm. um, you become accustomed to it you stop resisting it then ah you can see it as a thing there doesn't mean oh i need to become feminine in order to overcome my masculine or a feminine person needs to become masculine no that's just you acting out of whatever you have and trying to deny it by with the opposite no all you need to do is stop taking for granted and stop assuming the ownership of it then any pleasure that was depending on that will fade away that doesn't mean that you, you would lose the perception of that you still have male body or a female body but you will not delight in the masculine aspects nor the feminine aspects nor would you be saddened or distraught if something happens to them. So that, yeah, so this is what this is interesting. What you're saying is being uh, so discerning that pressure of the body there, discerning that interior which you cannot step outside, mm. and then and, and then eventually seeing that as a thing arisen. Yeah. And 
on its own that's not yours yeah you you will see it as not yeah, yours. yeah if you're accustomed to it sufficiently enough you'll be able to see it as just being there so this that that brings me to this other sutta i'll put the suttas in the comments again uh, it says confinement and this deva it's called confinement the sutta and the stavis uh, said this verse the sage the withdrawn chief bull the buddha who awakened to jhana the one of broad wisdom has found the opening amid confinement mm. what friend has the buddha the blessed one spoken of as confinement and what as the achievement of an opening in the midst of confinement and just briefly the blessed one friend has spoken of these five objects of sensual pleasure as confinement and it goes on what is non-confinement no. Uh, I mean the, the the opening. What is the opening amidst that confinement? No. So the opening is not finding another direction of your senses or denial of the senses. The opening is removal of the ownership of that which confines you. That complete, um, complete, basically non-appropriation, which is begins with first jhana. That's what keeps you inside the the interior or. Not, I don't say keeps you like you go outside of it. Mm. But uh, what do you mean? The op the opening amidst confinement is that it's um, the escape of the confinement. Yeah. That's what it means. Not the opening. Yeah, the op like the opening amidst confinement. Or oh, what is that opening? It's not like you find the opening through the aggregates, from which you can sort of slip out of samsara. No, it's like you are confined by everything that appears. Nama Rupa, Vijnana, Vijnana, Nama Rupa is the ultimate confinement. So what is then the opening of amidst that? What is the escape amidst all four fully being buried alive? It's removal of the ownership of that situation in its entirety. And that's when the first jhana, there is no sense of I am. I am entering the first jhana. But it's not that there is no sense of the five senses. There is, but there is no ownership of it. There's thinking and pondering but the traces of ownership have been completely removed on every level. Thus, nobody's confined. There's no confinement anymore. Because in order for something to be confined, you, know, you need that which confines and that one which is confined. The assumed sense of self. So complete removal of the ownership and conceit is the utter, that, that, that the subtlest of the openings, <laughs> so to speak, the escape amidst everything that confines. And that's what it says, that the first jhana is that opening, that escape. But yeah, it's establishment upon the first escape, pretty much. But then he sees that there is a confinement there. Yes, but now you're that's, getting abstract. Like, uh, if a person develops first jhana, they'll understand the true okasa, the true uh, opening among sambada confinement, the Pali word. And uh, then the principle of other jhanas will become apparent. But if somebody tries to, oh, the opening, the confinement, the confinement, none of that becomes applicable now because it's just taken as an abstract sense. Um, so, again, the opening, the escape from the confinement, from that which confines, which is the ownership, is the removal. It's the uprooting, it's the fading away of ownership and conceit in regard to the senses and the sense objects and the pleasures you've been dependent upon. That's why first jhana is enough for arahanship, as the suttas would say. You don't need second and third and fourth. First jhana, 
if you establish your mind upon that first escape, first level of Okasa, first level of opening amidst confinement and spend sufficient amount of time in it, you will have completely uprooted any lust towards anything that was confining before and, and experience this passion towards it. But yes, theoretically speaking, one who is establishing the first jhana can then start thinking about, oh, is there a more refined okasa, more refined escape, even in regard to this, which, you know, from the point of view of the second jhana, the first jhana is very coarse. From the point of view of the third jhana, the second jhana is very coarse. So you use that principle to remove the ownership. Because, you know, jhana in itself does not necessarily bring the full uprooting of the sense of I am and sense of mind. For that, you need wisdom. That's why, again, theoretically, a person could have jhanas without, you know, having fully uprooted their uh, underlying tendencies. And so, so here I am with the pressure of the body. There's a pressure of the body, and I want to satisfy it. I want to get rid of that pressure. I want to feel pleasure. I don't want to feel this pressure. Why is that? And that why, is a why, burden to me. Well, you know? what is the burden? It's confinement. Yeah. You are confined by this discomfort, by the pressure. So what do you do? You try to get rid of the pressure by letting it outside. So that's why you will not find the true opening amidst confinement, because you keep acting out of confinement towards the assumed opening. So the sense pleasures of the external kind are the assumed relief of the pressure here. And that's why people are so psychologically dependent on scratching the edge. Because that's the only form of okasa, the only form of release from confinement that they know. But there's, there's no release there. It's not a release. No release. That is the reason for your confinement, your assumption of wrong release. And the more you go, you try that, or the more... Well, the more, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the more know. confined you become, the more burdened by your dependence on sensuality you become. It's like the more you... That's why it's important to realize that this <clears throat> needs to be lived on the level of enduring the pressure, not acting out of it, calming your mind within it. So withdrawal from the dependence on the pleasure of the assumed external kind is the prerequisite for that pleasure of jhana, that, that, that genuine release of the burden, of the debt, of crossing the desert, all the similes the Buddha gave for the pleasure of first jhana. It's withdrawing from It's withdrawing from the unwholesome, withdrawing from the wrong order that you've been assuming. That's your work. And then the release will occur as a result of it of the right kind. That will be the true opening amidst the confinement. But people don't want to deal with the confinement, don't want to deal with the pressure, don't want to deal with enduring it. They want a technique, they will get them the experience of pleasure that they will then take to be jhana and then assume that all this work has been done on account of this special meditation pleasure that they had. And as I said many times, that's exactly mirroring principle of the sensuality that you've been chasing and acting out of. Now, just instead of that, you're watching your nostrils or whatever else, but you're still seeking for that pleasant thing to be your escape. No, the escape is found by not becoming, not being, not maintaining the dependence upon the wrong order. And then the pleasure of jhana will happen. Having been quite withdrawn from central pleasures, 
he abides and dwells and experiences pleasure of withdrawal. And then he mind enters and abides in the first jhanas. That's how suttas describe it. Not, not having been withdrawn, still being pressured by sensuality, he gets a technique, he enters jhana, and all this just falls off, and senses disappear, and it's a magical experience. Yeah, well, good luck with that one. As soon as you wake up from that, boom. Yeah, it needs to be You're practical. And if you think, okay, so the second jhana, the third jhana, again, that's what Buddha said. It's like a cow that hasn't even established itself upon the first rock it, it stepped on. Planned, yeah, started planning to step on the second one and falls between the two. So refrain from thinking about percep per neither perception nor perception and yeah. the basis of infinite space and everything else until you have been quite withdrawn from sensuality and have experienced at least that first basic okasa of of first jhana of complete relinquishment of ownership and uh, and subsiding of, of unwholesome states when there is no more basis for the perversion of the order that's why jhana is so wholesome